0: The next only one. The
1: Welcome back to the Mind MindTalks podcast with myself, Edwin. And today I have a volleyball player. I Haven't had one on for a while. <laughs> Probably one on the in the first season. Nia Crittenden, How are you?
2: I'm doing good. Doing really good.
0: How are yeah?
1: you? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Thanks for coming on. It's um it's a pleasure to have you on. We have I have a lot to ask for the for the listeners that are are joining us today her um, is currently injured so we'll go we'll go into that um but like I like to start most of our podcast episodes um I'm going to ask you about your early sporting experiences so talk to us about how you first got into sport
2: yeah so um I actually was a track athlete before I played volleyball so I started out running um my dad was a collegiate track athlete and okay. Um, pretty much my whole family on my dad's side, everybody, like has they've run, run track collegiately, professionally. Okay. So that was really the path that I thought I was going to be on, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started out for years just running, and then I didn't get into volleyball until way later.
0: Okay. And
2: it was um, because of one of my dad's, it was actually one of my teammates. Um, they had been running for my dad's track club for a while. Okay. And I kept growing so mm. I was the tallest one of everybody else. And yeah. there was a day where they just like, you know, came over to, to my dad and they were like, hey, you know, like, you know, they had one of their family members that coached volleyball and they were like, you should have her like, try and come and see if she likes it. Like, she's just so tall, like it might, you know, see what she can do in the gym. And literally that was how I got started with volleyball. So I started pretty late. Um, I didn't start really playing until I was about like 16 Okay. and uh started out doing club volleyball and Mm. literally from there like that was just where my journey took me like wow I ran track throughout the rest of high school at that time but yeah it was like volleyball was what I was going to do Um, I just fell in love with it
1: okay When, when you did track what events did you do
2: um I was a four by one four by four I ran the 400 um I like really wanted to continue doing jumps but when I started playing volleyball I couldn't really do both so I mainly focused Hmm. on just the relays and um my event 400.
1: Okay and what was it about volleyball that that stood out to you?
2: Um it was just fun like I didn't know Hmm. what I was doing for the first like few years I was playing honestly. Yeah. Um, it's one of those interesting sports where, like, there there's a lot of skill involved. It takes a lot of skill building for certain certain aspects of the game. So, like, you can just be athletic. Like, I was just I jumped really high. I was fast. Like, those yeah. were easy to apply to volleyball. But there's a lot of skill that's involved, and a lot of that takes time. You know, there's a lot yeah. of people who've played volleyball for a very very long time, yeah. um, and for some, that is what makes them the best. Um, so it just kind of depends, um, but. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I just, I really, really liked it from that age. And it was tough because I'm a lefty. And uh, my position, I started out as a lefty middle, which is not easy to do in volleyball mm-hmm. just because of the way that uh, the game is, is played and set up. But um, yeah, I had really encouraging coaches in those first couple of years that I started playing clubs. So it kept me going. And I, I got scholarship offers like the first year of me playing, which was kind of insane. So that was when I really knew, like, okay, I'm definitely going to be playing this sport in college now. So, yeah.
1: Okay. Talk to us a little bit about the differences of being in an individual sport to a team sport.
2: Yeah. Um, I would say that the transition for me actually wasn't – it wasn't that bad. And I, want, I think because I was younger and even though um, – I had been running track like when i got to high school like i started out as a cheerleader i was Mm. captain of my cheer team by the way um so i started high school as a cheerleader started out as a captain so i think like with that i kind of already had the aspect of like somewhat being on a team i only played while i when i started playing volleyball i only played volleyball for two years at my high school so i didn't play all four years even in high school the only track I or the only sport i really did was was track um track and field And, um, I, I'm trying to think, yeah, before that, even when I was running for, you know, the various track clubs that I was on, like we were all so close that like, it still kind of felt like a team. So I feel like my transition, like, even though, yes, it was harder to have to understand that like everything, you know, you kind of rely on your teammates. Like once you get in the gym, I was young enough that like, it didn't really shock me so much um, with that transition, but yeah, it's definitely different, obviously, you know, it's, it's completely different to. You know, be able to only worry about yourself especially if yeah. you're only doing one event um yeah. and then going into a team sport but i do feel like i got a little bit of that aspect from doing the relays too
1: yeah yeah, yeah. which you do which you do how, how did you let's put the scenario to you so let's say you're having a great game and you don't win um because certain players haven't played well um how 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 is the feeling for you when you're when that happens? And how is the feeling for you when you when that happens and hows the feeling for you when you do not play well and hmm. um, you let the team down? Because obviously you don't you're not worrying about yourself there, you're worrying about the team as well. How what's the thought process that goes through your mind?
2: Yeah, um, I feel like everyone is very different in that aspect. I've been I've been on teams, I've been on so many different types of teams. I've been on teams that are really patient. Yeah, I've been on teams that like no matter how many mistakes you or someone else makes, it's like, all right, like next one, like let's move on. I've been on teams where making one mistake was like all hell broke loose and people yeah. lost their minds and no one could control their emotions. Yeah. Um. So I've had really lots of different experiences, some good, some bad, um, and you know different levels of pressure. I would say. Yeah. And for myself, um how I feel in those moments, it all depends on my team chemistry and team environment. And I'm usually the type of player, like, especially with playing professionally, it's a little bit different because like, in a way, yes, you're on a team, but oftentimes like you do kind of feel like you're by yourself when you're in different countries playing, especially when you're the only person of your own like countrymen, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it can be tough. Um, And so my mood in that really is reflective of how my coach treats me, how my teammates treat me. So if I'm on a team where, you know, there's a lot more patience and, you know, there's a lot more people who, you know, have an understanding, you know, about what the, like the pressures that we're under. And if I've been able to do my job for a lot of the time, and then maybe had, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple of off games. Yeah. That attitude's probably going to be a little bit different where I'm not going to feel like attacked or something like, you know, by my team, or I'm not going to feel so horrible or down on myself. No one wants to play bad. You're never going to feel good playing, not playing well. Yeah. Obviously, it helps if you still win, especially for really important games. But I would say any time where I felt really bad was when I felt like I was getting that negative energy, not only from like the coach, but from the team as well. Mm. So that is something that's really, really hard to like keep your head up in those moments yeah. when you're struggling and you're not getting help, and you know from the team and you're not getting help from the coaches. It's really, really tough.
1: What do you do in those situations?
2: It depends. Like. I, most of the teams that I've been on, especially playing professionally, I was kind of the big gun. So like, I'm the one that had to score a lot of points, especially because of my position. Um, I play opposite in volleyball, lefty. So um, overseas, especially like, we are one of the positions that we just, we get the most balls. We're supposed, we're supposed to score the most points. Yeah. Um, that is kind of our job. Obviously, some teams are different, but that is really that's our job. And um, yeah, it it really just depends. Like I if I'm just in the game and not playing well, I just kind of have to like, keep my head on and you know, just keep my head on straight. Keep that chin high, you know, as much as you can. And it's hard. I had a a lot of issues of not being able to do that. that I struggled with at some points in my career where like, you know, my family, especially parents be watching like, we saw you slumping your shoulders, you you can kind of tell when an athlete kind of gets down, you're just not really standing up tall and like you know owning your actions and stuff like that so i i've definitely struggled with that a lot in my career like keeping the head up because i don't want to make mistakes i want to play amazing all the time but that's just yeah. not the case um but again those moments where it was really hard like yeah it was tough um but sometimes i just had to like tough it out and deal with it you know and then sometimes you have to go to go to bed that night thinking about it and it feels like crap for the next day or two but then you've Mm got to get over it because usually the next game is coming so
1: yeah was there ever times when you felt like you needed to speak to a sports psychologist or anything like that
2: oh yeah definitely Mm. definitely um I've had a few seasons like that even now I even now I think like it would be good during this time that I'm off to like get kind of back into a routine of like speaking to someone again just because like with the recovery it would be good to really work on some of those things that i've been wanting to change in my game during this time so that's really big for me and the good thing is that i have like nine months to do it so um yeah i definitely had times where i like really wish that i had someone to talk to um a little bit more without judgment you know because it's like and again really tough when you're in an environment where you are like the only American, for example, like you yeah. don't always want to tell your teammates how exactly how you're feeling because you don't know what yeah. people think. Really. You don't know, yeah. know what they might say. Um, and sometimes you don't, you just don't want to tell your teammates exactly how you're feeling. You know, it might directly affect somebody like you don't know what the situation can be. So
0: yeah.
2: Um, yeah, I definitely think like being able to have access to, you know, anyone that is like a uh, sports psych is really key it can help a lot of people even the ones who say that they don't need to talk to anyone you usually need to talk to someone
1: yeah yeah I I agree I agree how important are your family to you in in terms of having a support network around you
2: um very very important um especially like I talk to my dad a lot about certain things that's kind of funny between both my parents like my mom wasn't an athlete so she's always like the more understanding one and like oh it's Mm. gonna be okay that's this that's that and then my dad is the uh, he's like a little bit more like direct about things but not in like i would say like not in a harsh way but he's more about like okay this is a situation this is what's happening how do we fix this or how do we overcome this or what's the next step he doesn't like to like sit in the situation and like basically like i don't know wallow in it so it's like you get mm-hmm. your feelings out you know you have to release that frustration but then you don't want to sit in it forever because that's not going to change anything. Like what is the next action? What's the next step that we can, you know, move forward to look forward to from that moment.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, but in terms of your friends, do your friends understand the, the basically the sacrifices that you have to make? Um, let's say you couldn't spend time with them because you've got to train or you, you're, you're overseas. Do, do they get that?
2: Yeah. Um, pretty much most like most of my friends do i have a lot of friends who are athletes so they of course get it and then i have um friends who aren't and even then they have been around me for so long that like they understand and they know what the deal is um it's not easy i have missed out on so many things with my friends very recently um one of my really really close friends we played together um at oregon she just got married i have missed so many weddings it is incredible I missed like every single one of my close friends' weddings. I was supposed to be a bridesmaid multiple times. Like it's been, it's been crazy. But um, yeah, my my other close friend that uh, just got married, um, we had this whole like trip planned like for it. Like we were, uh, she was in Mexico. I had like her closest you know friends and stuff come out for it, and I was so excited because I was like, okay, I might actually be able to do this this time. And then of course, mm-hmm. like I you know. <laughs> had to get the surgery and my surgery yeah. was may 11th and i'm like i'm not gonna be able to go to this because there were so many things mm. planned like i don't know just like riding on four wheel like four wheelers and all this crazy stuff like i wasn't gonna be able to do anything other than like sit in the hotel or sit like at the pool <laughs> there was nothing else i was gonna oh, be able to, do to join in so i wasn't able to go um so i was just kind of like once again like volleyball stopping me from being able to be a part of like huge milestones in my friends lives but um it just
1: kind of is what it is, you know. I guess it's a sacrifice you have to make if you're an elite athlete. You're going to miss things, but it's, it's 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 all with good intention. It's not that you just want to miss it. You have to make sacrifices in life. And I guess in people with careers and other situations, they make sacrifices. And this is what you got to do. And people that are close to you will understand that. That's yeah, the thing.
2: Yeah, and they do, That's and the they thing. do. It's just... It makes me sad and it makes me upset because like i'm the one that is missing out so of course they like want me to be there of course like you know they want me to be a part of that that time with them or that day or whatever but um yeah it's just it's it's hard on me because like there are a few situations where it's like i just missed it by like a week right where it's like i didn't have to report to this team until like one week before or something Mm -hmm. like that so it's different when it's like smack in the middle of my season where it's like ah like that's really really tough but there's yeah. been a lot of things that were like, just was almost right there. Like I could have almost made it to that, you know? And that's kind of how I feel about this yeah. situation where it's like, okay, I don't have any team obligations, but I'm really limited right now with what I can do, you know? So just stuff yeah. like that that makes it a little bit difficult. But again, like I said, just a part of the sacrifice. And as long as you have a system around you and people that do understand, you know, what's going on and, you know, aren't kind of holding that against you, then you know, you'll be okay.
1: Definitely. Talk us a little bit about volleyball in college.
2: Um, yeah. So volleyball, I would say college volleyball, college volleyball is very, very big um, as a woman's sport here. Um, it's actually very big also as a club sports, so like when, you know, high school, middle school, all of that. So it is like one of the biggest women's sports. Um, and college volleyball is just, it's really fun. I mean, uh, we usually, depending on your school, but a lot of schools, I would say, um, especially if you're kind of in like top conferences, like I would say power five conferences here, you'll get a lot of fans. Um, it's really enjoyable. It's it's fun to watch. It's fun to play. Um, yeah. I actually went to two different universities, so I was in two different conferences that are really yeah. big here in the U.S., so I played for the University of Oregon first, so that was yeah. for two seasons, uh, two years. And that was in the Pac-12, okay. and then I played for the University of Illinois for two years, and that was in the Big Ten. So two very different conferences, but two very, okay. very um, good conferences. Um, two of the best. Um, okay. And yeah, it was it was definitely an interesting experience to go between both of those. Um, just because the Pac-12, mm-hmm. when you compare it to the Big Ten, it's very different style of volleyball. So like I always joke that like Pac-12 were yeah. usually like. A little bit smaller, like faster, kind of faster offenses, faster playing. Yeah. And then you get to the big ten and everyone is literally just big. Like everyone is so tall and like (laughs) it's just tall and powerful. But it's the same in like football too, like American football. Like the Pac twelve, like the style of football for most of the schools, guys are like a little bit smaller, they're just like a little bit faster. And then you compare it to like the Big Ten or even like SEC schools or whatever, like schools in the South, like the guys are just huge like it's yeah. just it's how the game is played it's just very funny to compare the two so when i got to the big 10 i remember the first game i was like i'm looking at these girls that are just like i'm i'm 6-1 and i'm looking at these girls that are literally yeah. like six four six five and i'm like i'm hitting against them wow <laughs> it was really really, really <laughs> funny it was really funny um but yeah, so I would say like based on between those two kind of different worlds, I got to live in for a little bit. Uh, Yeah, it's really interesting yeah. to see the transition through college.
1: Early days, did that have an impact on your confidence when you saw how big the other girls were?
2: No, actually, I didn't have like any confidence. Like, I would say like my confidence was way, way low at Oregon, just because like I came in as like a, you know, 18 years old, I was a freshman. Again, like did not have yeah. a lot of skill going into playing college because I started so late and like did not have, I just, yeah, I didn't have the time put in. I didn't have the like, yeah, going into playing. Um, so I was a really, really raw athlete when I got to Oregon. Like I didn't know what I was doing, um, but I had all the athletic ability. I just needed more coaching. I needed more time. I needed more repetitions, you know, all those things that, you know, lead you into being a consistently really good developed um athlete and uh that was really tough because the environment that i was under at oregon it was one of the environments that i was kind of explaining earlier where you know
0: one mistake
2: and it was just like the whole day the whole practice was shot you know what i mean it just it was really really difficult to develop and so for someone like myself who was new to the sport i definitely definitely needed like a lot more guidance and i needed a lot more patience and i needed a lot more like just just skill building stuff like that um so when i got to illinois and got to the big 10 i had a couple more years under my belt still needed more that i didn't get from my first university but um i got in and i had a lot of really really good talks with my coach and he was so patient and just was like Mm -hmm. okay this is what the situation is like let's try to see what we can do you know like let's see what we can get get you to that next step that next level so i went in and it was tough. I mean, I'll be completely honest with you. I think for myself, I didn't really gain a ton of confidence in my game until I went professional, until I went pro. Um, it was really okay. hard to come off of what I dealt with at Oregon and then get to a new school and had the kind of like support supportive background. But still, like, it was the mental. Yeah. And for me, I didn't realize how much I needed to see a sports psych when I transferred. And I think that my game would have been completely Mm -hmm. different throughout the rest of college um, and going into the beginning of my, my professional career. But yeah, it was, it was really tough. And I didn't realize how heavy that all that stuff was on me. So just like you mentioned earlier, you know, people needing to take time to, you know, think about seeing a sports psych or kind of figure out what's going on with their like mindset to get them to that next level. That stuff is so, so important. And it can really take your game from, you know where it was to you know a way higher level than you could even imagine if you can get your mind to the right place.
1: Yeah. What think? What do you think? Like motivated you to keep going on? Because sometimes people in that situation would just give up. Where do you think you got that from?
2: Yeah, um, it's so funny you mentioned that because that was something I used to think all the time. I'm like, why am I still doing this? which a lot of athletes go through that. Um, But yeah, you know, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the, I know when I was younger, a big part of that drive was to prove Mm. people wrong. And I realized that that wasn't the right mindset. Mm -hmm. It took me some time, but I realized that kind of that like chip on my shoulder or like, and, and it can be good. It can be good in some ways, but not to the point where your whole drive and being a reason why you're doing something is to try to make yourself feel better or like prove people wrong that like treated you in a way that was unfair. You know what I mean? Because then your entire journey becomes about yeah. them, and not about you.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and yeah. that was something that was, I didn't even realize it for a long time. And then once I did realize mm. it, it was just like, whoa, it was a huge wake up call. And that can take a long time to get that completely out of your system because it can come back. You might like not think about it for a while, then that feeling will come back. And then, so it, that's, I feel like one of the first things is that you have to try to do things because you want to do it and prove it to yourself and not to others. And that's hard as an athlete, you want to prove other people, you want to prove to this person, you want to do that, you want to do that. And it's like, it's something that's always going to kind of like be there, but You've got to find a healthier way to deal with it and not let that take yeah. over your entire game and your entire like reason for doing what you're doing because that's when you will start to hate the sport that you're playing and you won't have that same love for it because you've given it a different meaning rather than just doing it to maybe reach the goals that you want for yourself and keeping it focused on like your journey and not anyone else's so
1: 100 100 percent. What, what do you think you were lacking in terms of your mindset at that point?
0: Mm,
2: um, I think a little bit of what I was kind of just saying, like focusing on my own journey and not focusing mm. on feeling like I had to like prove yeah. myself to people who frankly didn't really care. Um, and yeah. I just needed to really work on really believing in myself again. Because coming out of high mm-hmm. school, and I was just always so adventurous. I didn't care about trying new things. I was excited about sports. And yeah. at the time, I wasn't super serious about sports. Um, but I love doing them. And I love being yeah. involved. And I feel like what changed with my mindset was like just that like version of Naya was... I don't know, just a lot yeah. more free, open, like was not stressed about the little things all the time or little mistakes.
0: Yeah. And then once
2: I got into that environment where everything that you did was like under a microscope, it took away the joy for me because then I was always really like anxious and nervous, worrying about every little thing that I did. Did this look stupid? How did this look? I made a mistake doing this. Oh my God, my team hates me. Like all those little things were mm-hmm. just in my head all the time with everything that I did to the point where it started to seep out into like me just having fun at sometimes with friends, like going to go do something and you know, whether it was sport related or not, but it was like, I would do something. And like, if it wasn't like, you're hanging out with your friends, who cares if you like make a mistake doing some, something stupid. And I would be sitting there like kind of feeling a little bit the way that I would feel like with that team. And it's just like, that's not good. Like you shouldn't be feeling like that in the times you're like, it's a time of leisure, you know what I mean? So, that was something that um, I don't know, I really had to had to work on to, to figure that out, and like stop that mindset and get to a point where like, I didn't continue to let that happen, because I wasn't improving, I wasn't uh, feeling confident. I wasn't believing in myself in those times. So you know, you really can't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. You don't have those kind of, I don't know, three pillars of like the mindset to push you to the next level.
1: You kind of touched on it a little bit because um, you, when you spoke about coaches and past experiences, what what do you think are the main things that you need from a coach to to get the best out of you?
2: Um. So, <laughs> starting out with my dad is my coach, he yells, but he's constructive. Mm. So I have never had that's a, and that's yeah. a hard part about sports. The last few years, especially today, but the last few years, um, is everyone complaining that like kids these days like are too soft, and they want coaches to be super nice to them, and they mm-hmm. want, to, and it's like no. What people don't understand is, and this is true for men and women's sports, but I think it's it's even worse. I almost think like actually it's it's hard to compare. It's hard to compare whether it's worse in women's or men's because I've seen a lot of crazy stuff. um But I think with men's sports, it's almost more like. Normalize that like coaches are a little bit more belittling like to men because it's like you're supposed to be able to like take it whatever they do the same thing to us though as women and it's insanity in some cases um but when it comes to like coaches and stuff like i don't mind yelling yelling has never bothered me parents yell sometimes you know when you're younger and you're like doing stuff you're Mm -hmm. not supposed to do yelling has never been the issue to me a coach like you know, being like, Hey, we got to get this. We got to do this. None of that bothers me. It's about what you say. That's the biggest thing for me. Some people, it is how you say it. Some, some people cannot handle the yelling. Some people cannot handle like a stern, you know, like stern directions or whatever. But for me, it was what you, it's about what you say. And in in a way, yeah, how you say it depending on your tone. And if you're talking to me like I'm stupid or you're talking to me like, Hey, I know you can do this and you're frustrated that's two different things, you know? And even now when I like, you know, coach and help out with young athletes, like even if I get frustrated, I have to take a step back and look at the situation and it's like, okay, is this player like trying and it's just not working? How do I want to approach that? Versus, you know, a player that I can maybe tell is like goofing Mm -hmm. off. And even then I'm still not going to like talk to them or belittle them in a certain way, but I can be stern. Hey, let's get our head back in it. Let's get back on the court. Let's focus, whatever. Um, yeah. you really get into problems where you affect your player's confidence when you talk to them like they don't know what they're doing. When you talk to them like they're beneath you, like they're lesser yeah. than, that kind of tone, that those kind that kind of language doesn't ben- benefit anybody. You know what I mean? And again, it depends on the relationship you create with that person. No. But if you have no relationship with them, you cannot talk to them that way.
1: That's the thing. It's, it's, it's actually crazy when it comes to, to coaching because you can't... Being a coach, you can't just... Give everyone the same treatment. Everyone is different, and I yep. guess it's about adapting to each characteristic of, of of all the players that you have in the team. It's not one size fits all, um, which is why it's yeah, it's very it's very important to have all of the elements. Um, some people like to be screened out. Some people like mm-hmm. a softer approach. Everyone is different, and it's 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 not it's never straightforward when it comes to coaching. Never.
0: Yeah. Yep,
1: exactly. So, so let's talk a little bit about let's talk a little bit about your pro career. So you went pro. Um, you've traveled. You've traveled around the world. So talk to us a little bit how it was for you to when you decided to go pro and moving from country to country. What was the thought process in your mind?
0: Oh,
2: I have no idea because literally I was like, how did I get to this
1: point?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: How did I get here, where I'm playing professional <laughs> volleyball. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of like took a big leap and I, I did it. I mean, I started out and when I went to Oregon, I chose to go to Oregon because it's one state away from California. So it wasn't that far. Um, and yeah. I know when I was first going off to college, I was like, my first thinking it was like, uh, I don't really want to get too far away. I didn't want to be, like, in California where I was too close to all of my, like, family and stuff, but I didn't want to go too far away where, like, I wouldn't see anyone. So Oregon was literally perfect for me at the time of what I was thinking. Um, And then after I decided to transfer from there, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to hold myself back at all. I need to take a chance and go where I think it's going to, you know, I'm going to fit. And um, that was how I ended up all the way on the other side of the U.S. at the University of Illinois. And Mm -hmm. I think from there, that led me to the mindset of, okay, I did it once, I can do it again. And so then I was like, why would I not try to go play professionally? And especially because I had the encouragement from my coach. So he gave me like a list of agents and he was like, all right, let's just see what you can do. Like, I want you to look at the, I want you to look at this list. I want you to call different agents, talk to different people, see what works for you and let's see if you can go do it like and i think that alone like that was what led me to be like okay let's do this and i decided to go on my journey because i knew i had so much more to give there was so much more that i wanted to learn and improve yeah. and all of that stuff with playing that i didn't get um from years past yeah. so uh that was also what led me to do it was just to see what level that i could get to um so yeah that was what, what led mm-hmm. me on my journey
1: you kind of just um mentioned the agent. So- what type of role does an agent have for someone in volleyball? We know in, we know what happens in certain sports like basketball um, and the uh, importance of an agent. How, how does it work in volleyball?
2: Yeah, so um, I would say in a pretty similar way. You have your agent. They have connections to different teams. Um, mm-hmm. and it depends on them as the individual or if they're under yeah. like an entire agency. Um, and they represent a lot of different athletes. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. they're the ones who usually will get your, you know, contracts for you. You kind of have some protection with these teams and with the leagues um and the entire yeah. like, federation and stuff of like internet. So it's FIVB is the Federation of International Volleyball. So your agent usually should yeah. be an agent that's underneath that umbrella and um you've okay. got like, you know, some protection with that, I guess, and someone that, you know, will help kind of facilitate everything from whatever team you decide to sign with to signing the contracts to finalizing the contracts to figuring out how you're going to get to this team, flight details, all that stuff. And it goes on from there. Um, And so they're the ones that, you know, are just there for you to help you go over your contracts make sure that you're trying to make sure you're making the right decisions. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's helpful to have since none of us usually have a lot of connections to teams in different countries. So it's good to have someone that does.
1: Okay. We're going to talk about something which is quite current injuries. So tell me how you are mentally when you have have injuries that could end your season like how how do you deal with them
0: yeah
2: um so I've been very lucky that over most of most of my journey I would say especially in college I never had too many serious injuries where I was out for a really long time I was very very lucky um little injuries here and there but nothing like so crazy to where I just like completely lost my way i would say um Mm -hmm. i think uh when i got when i okay so my first my second season playing professionally second season playing professionally i ended up hurting my shoulder and at the time i didn't know what it was i got mris i got different checkups nothing was coming up I just had so much shoulder pain and mostly like for volleyball players especially it's kind of just like you get used to it because a lot of people have shoulder pain because you're hitting all the time for my position especially
0: Hmm.
2: but um this one was different because it it caused me to kind of lose a lot of the ability that i had of what made me me with my like left arm swing Um, and that was really, really difficult. And again, like I didn't know what was going on. They were telling me I saw so many doctors over the years. No one saw a tear. No one saw anything like abnormal other than just like overuse, which is like inflammation. Um, but I knew something was wrong because Mm -hmm. I wasn't hitting the same. I couldn't hit the same shots. I couldn't do what I normally am used to doing. I couldn't hit as hard as I used to be able to hit. And all of that affected me mentally because I didn't think that I could do certain movements that I used to be able to do. So that would cause me to make a little bit more errors or have caused me to like not hit where I want to hit or not mm-hmm. be as accurate, different things like that. So that was really frustrating for me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, then, um, I played the last few, literally up until I got the surgery, I've been playing the last few years of my pro career with this shoulder problem. And, um, I would say that I then didn't really have a serious, serious injury until I was in Turkey. Uh, I got to Turkey this past August and in the first four weeks, I was there around week four or so I tore a muscle in my calf. So not only was I like doing with this never ending, reoccurring shoulder pain all the time and, you know, not having my full ability with my shoulder, I then get there and yeah, ended up getting injured, tore the muscle in my calf. So I'm like, okay, that was really tough, mm-hmm. but I was still okay mentally cause I was out, you know, I was going to be out. So I was like, okay, this isn't great. But luckily I will be ready yeah. by the time we get ready to start official season, which was going to be in like late September, early October. So I'm out. Yeah. I was a little concerned because the doctor, after I got the MRI for my leg and we checked everything, he's like, all right, let's check back in, in like three weeks In about three weeks you should be like ready to get back on the court again. And I'm thinking, Okay, luckily, I've never torn a muscle before. But I'm like, I don't think that that's possible. Mm -hmm. the first thing that came to my head actually, which is so funny is I'm like, I think of like my warm ups and stuff. I still do a lot of like my track warm ups uh, to this day. So I'm thinking like if I was running track right now and I had a torn calf muscle, I really don't think I'd be ready to be running again fully in three weeks. There's absolutely no No. way I'd be able (laughs) to run fully and compete. So that was the first thing that came to my head, which was so funny. And I talked to some of my friends who are track athletes, and I talked to a few other friends who are athletes too. And um, some trainers, and I just was like, this is not right, like, right? Like, I know that this is not right. And everyone was like, no, (laughs) you know, immediately no. Uh, (laughs) And (laughs) it was so funny. But again, you're in a foreign country, you got your team doctor, and it's like, all right, how am I going to have Mm -hmm. this conversation where I'm basically telling a doctor that he's wrong? Right. So I was able to push it to four weeks and in that fourth week, they were trying to get me to come back. And so I was just like, all right, I don't think this is going to work, but no one's listening to me. They're not letting me not try to come back. They're not letting me stay out for longer. So first practice back, uh, first 10 minutes, I do a light little, you know, kind of warm up, try to make sure I can do a lot of stuff. We get into doing like hitting lines kind of around the court. I hit one ball
0: yeah
2: everybody's like oh, okay like she's back right hit one ball come around the court mm-hmm. go up to hit the second one right as i'm approaching to go hit the second ball the pop it tears again so mm. i go down again same yeah. exact spot same exact feeling everything and yeah. i'm like you're kidding you're kidding I literally so the first time it happened could not walk. it just swole, It itswo it um, yeah it got swollen instantly. I just was like, yeah. okay, I had to be carried like literally my coaches, like two of them picked me up and like had to carry me to the locker room because I could not walk. That time I was so yeah. I have never been so angry I think up until that point like ever I was just so mad. I literally got up and I walked to the locker room. I didn't want anyone to touch me. I didn't want to look at anybody. I literally, like, yeah. I walked with that. Oh my God, yeah. it was the most excruciating pain. But I was just like, do not come near me right now because I couldn't believe that
0: yeah.
2: I was made to come back and I was not ready clearly and it happened again. So that was how I ended yeah. up holding my calf twice. Um, and then from there, the recovery was gonna be even yeah. longer. So I'm dealing with like an angry doctor, angry, you know, somewhat coaches, the presidents, everything and uh yeah. after those months of recovery i just did not feel like i was healing properly and it was just time to part ways you know um and so then i
0: yeah
2: we kind of came to an agreement we broke that contract i was able to go home because i stayed and was there recovering yeah. for three more months but yeah okay. then i was able to get back and yeah then i got to dallas and the rotator decided to fail on me <laughs> so yeah it's been a tough journey with uh injuries but um yeah the mental side of all that i i really struggled after the second tear so that was kind of when um Mm. yeah that was when i really started to struggle was the second tear because then i was sitting for a really long time and was wondering what i was doing and why i was still playing and and all these things and um it was really hard to maintain the focus and maintain like that positivity with the situation that was going on and you know with everything going on with like my shoulder, yeah. calf, shoulder calf it just was like it was it was tough and I was feeling like yeah. this is probably it you know and then to like have barely recovered then get to Dallas and in a few weeks that I'm there like have this also happen it just kind of was like yeah. all right you know what am I gonna do um but I had to kind of reframe my thinking yeah. it's just something I've been saying a lot lately like reframing my thinking and um What I thought of it was, okay, this was my body's way of telling me that, you know, we need a break. Um, That's kind of what I thought of with these injuries. You know, some things you can't control and some things you just, they happen to you. Um, But in this situation, I decided to take it as a lesson of like, okay, mentally, I was already feeling pretty exhausted throughout the last couple of years. And I think this is my body's way of being like, hey, you know, we are not doing well. We need to take some time to heal not only your body but your mind and that was just kind of the mindset that I had to take with with these injuries um because it can really it can really make you feel like oh you're just kind of alone you know even though there's athletes that get injured every single day but um yeah it's not easy when you're the one going through it yeah
1: that's the thing I think that's why in some sports you see certain athletes decide to use their own medical team because it gets to the point that everyone knows their own body and everybody knows when they're getting injured or they, they know when they're going to recover. And it, it it's challenging when you're in a situation where everyone's telling you you're fine, but you know you're not fine, um, and which must have been very, very frustrating at the time. Um, what do you think is the biggest thing you learnt about that, going through that?
2: Um yeah being able to have your own medical team key Mm. (laughs) um and it really just depends like and i just hate i hate that that has to be the conversation Mm. you know that it's like you can't even trust like your own team doctor who's supposed to like protect you um but this is the case in all levels Mm. i mean whether it's you know all levels in women's sports all levels in men's sports to the highest level in women's sports you know what i mean and a big part of that is because the the team doggers they want you know they kind of have to deal with you and deal with the coaches and the coaches want you to be able to play and like it's just kind of one of those things where like it's so frustrating and i know that like for coaches when you lose especially when you lose kind of a key person in your in your team or on you know on your offense or defense or whatever the case is whatever sport you're on whatever i know it's really tough and it's a tough pill to swallow for everybody but it's even tougher for the athlete, and I think it's yeah. always interesting when I hear—I've heard different team yeah. doctors that have said, you know, they had a lot of pressure from coaches, and that just always is so interesting to me because I'm like, okay, I understand, you know, them inquiring and trying to figure out, you know, can this athlete go? Can they? Can they compete today? Can? What can we do to yeah. kind of help ease them into this or that? And that's totally fine. When you get to the point where your doctors
0: yeah.
2: are trying to force the athlete, even when they know, like, I'm sorry, but someone who has studied like their area of study, it takes so much time for them to then kind of turn a blind eye to what they've studied and what you're supposed to see and the way that, you know, kind of healing or recovering is supposed to go. And to make an athlete continue to do something that, you know, when you looked at that, you know, MRI, you looked at that chart, whatever it was that you kind of, you know, had to see to figure out what was going on and make them go back out there knowing that like it can get 10 times worse is kind of insane to me, you know. Um and you might have times where a doctor could miss something and it's totally it's totally that happens. But there's a lot of these situations with team doctors yeah. where it's like they definitely know the person's not ready. Um and it's just about transparency, you know. So like I just kind of hate that that has to be the conversation that you can't even trust like your own organization, but you know that's sometimes it's just the case.
1: Yeah, it's it's crazy cuz I guess that kind of links maybe sometimes to the pressure that coaches have and they feel like they have to get someone out back out there So, the, and then they're putting pressure on the doctors and then this is yes. just a, it's an ongoing cycle and it's the welfare of the athlete has to be put first before anything before because yeah. <laughs> if you want to get the best performances and you want people to be right mentally you have to let them heal when they're going through injuries it's, it's just yeah. it's, it's ridiculous and it's it happens in all sports unfortunately it does. unfortunately yeah so last question so name three things do you you think about yourself that you have when it comes to your mindset
2: this is so funny this question has come up a couple of times since I was in Dallas um Mm. and uh it's something that I hadn't really thought of before until this year but um resilience Mm. has been the first one so that's been something that has kind of come up, especially yep. after with me coming back with the leg injury and all that stuff and trying to, and trying to continue to play yep. this year, um, even though my body just kind of decided it was time to sit down. Um, resilience, because I've mm. worked really hard to try to get my mind to a good place over the years, and it hasn't been easy. And um, even in moments when I was kind of felt like I was like drowning, you know, like I had to fight to kind of climb back out of that hole. Um, so resilience is for sure number one. The next one that I want to say that yeah. I feel like the needs that I would use or define myself as is confidence. And I use that because that's something that I've struggled okay. with and have been a very up and down in my career, but it's really the most important. And that is going to lead into the rest of my life, whether I'm playing volleyball or not. And you really need that and you need to work on that. Like everyone can always work on, you know, a little bit, having a little bit more confidence in yourself and believing in yourself. Um, and the last one that I would say is fear. And when I say fear, I mean not being afraid of it. Like knowing that you're going to feel uncomfortable okay. sometimes, but not letting that mm-hmm. completely take over when it comes to making a decision or trying something new or kind of taking that leap. And again, something I've also struggled with Something yeah. that I need to work on and continue to work on and overcome in certain moments of just taking the chance and not always worrying about what the outcome is gonna be. Yeah. I don't know, some of the greatest athletes, it's like the one thing they talk about is literally not letting that fear get to them and kind of putting it up like, you know, no on the wayside, I guess you'd say. But yeah. So three. Resilience, confidence.
1: Yeah. Niall, that's it's been a pleasure having you on. That those three little gems you dropped to the end are very crucial to not just in sport but in life like you mentioned so thanks for dropping those gems thank you for coming on again it's been it's been brilliant for anyone that's listening for the first time welcome for anyone that's listening again welcome back more episodes will be coming soon please like share subscribe until next time peace